I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Okay, one more time. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. <laughs> down in my heart. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. <laughs> my album drops January 1st. Um, okay. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But thank you for joining me in that. That was fun. Um, during, um, sorry, uh, Steve Martin back in the 80s when he was uh, doing stand-up comedy, he used to play the banjo and he would sing really sad songs, like about his house burning down and really dramatic. And it was funny because he would say, you can't play a sad song on the banjo. Like the banjo is too happy of an instrument. And back uh, during COVID lockdown, that's when I taught myself how to play the ukulele. And one of the first songs I tried to learn was Creep by Radiohead. <laughs> it, was a it was a tough time. And <laughs> I learned pretty early on that it was not going to work. Like the ukulele is just way too happy of an instrument. You can't play a sad song on the ukulele. I wonder if the Christmas season feels like this to anyone. Like, against the backdrop of it being the most wonderful time of the year, the merry and bright and Hallmark movies and cookies and good tidings and lights and fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Is there room for a sad song? What do you do if you have a sad song? Don't get me wrong, I like a lot about Christmas. I was the person in college that would run around the dorm floor singing Christmas songs the day after Halloween. Um, so <laughs> I love it. But Christmas raises up a lot of tension because there's pressure and expectations and difficult conversations to have with your family. And there's always someone that you wish was there with you that just isn't there on Christmas. So do we skim over all of that and just slap a cheesy smile on our face and pretend like everything is great? Is that joy? What do you do if you have a sad song? Anyone here longing for joy? Maybe longing for joy for yourself or maybe someone else in your life wishing they experienced joy. Let me say a prayer for us and then we'll dive into God's word. God, thank you that we can gather together in your presence. I pray, God, that you would come speak to us now. That you would be with us in our longing that you would soften our hearts to your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. The roof is shaking. <laughs> okay. All right, God is going to speak. Um, 
So let me give you a little bit of context before we dive into the passage. We have been going through the book of Isaiah through the season of Advent, which is the season leading up to Christmas, and we're going to get into some Bible stuff today, so just stick with me. Isaiah was a prophet, which essentially means he was a mouthpiece for God. He would speak words of warning, and he would speak words of promise and restoration. And he would share these words with the nation Israel. See, God delivered these people out of slavery in Egypt, and he formed them them into this unique and holy nation with a specific purpose to reflect God and his mission in the world of making everything right and restoring wholeness. But before Isaiah chapter 35, this nation Israel splits into two kingdoms, and the Assyrians come in and they wipe out the northern kingdom. And so what comes up often in the book of Isaiah is you see now the southern kingdom is living in fear and anxiety, wondering if the Assyrians are going to come and wipe them out too. And for a group of people that knows violence and knows oppression, this is terrifying and traumatic. And so in chapter 35, this is the word that Israel, that Isaiah has for the nation Israel. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and piperus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful promise. And I actually have a picture. It's a painting that reflects the vision of Isaiah 35. Anyone out there feeling like the world around you is a desert? Like this rain is great, but we know this is not typical. Maybe you hear the cries of creation groaning for restoration. Anyone tired? Tired of being tired? Like the last five years have been Russian dolls of crisis, just crisis and a crisis and a crisis. When does it end? Anyone waiting for healing? Living with pain? 
Anyone waiting for God to set things right for you? Like you see people with selfish motives. You don't care about other people. Just keep making their way to the top. Everything goes right for them. Anyone grieving? Just don't feel like yourself anymore. Anyone feel like your life is just beyond the best by date on the wrapper? It's like, it's not bad, but the flavor is a little off. It's a little stale. There's got to be something more to this. It's coming. Joy is coming. Restoration is coming. God is coming. He's going to set everything right. No more sorrow, just joy. Joy, 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 joy down in our hearts. And like a crown on our heads. But when? God, are we there yet? When do we get to Isaiah 35? Anyone ever feel like God stood you up? Like there was this promise, this vision, and you set the table and you had dinner ready, and God just didn't show up? Waiting hours? Thinking, God, I know you care. God, I know you love me. Where are you? It's interesting because the book of Isaiah is like a game of ping pong. It's like, boop, 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 like right back and forth between promise of restoration and threat of destruction. See, in the very next chapter, the official of the king of Assyria comes and says, hey, Israel, you know that king that you have, King Hezekiah? Yeah, he's not going to save you. He can't deliver you. And he taunts them for trusting in their God. But, 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 but what about Isaiah 35? What about the vision of God coming with divine retribution, setting everything right? When does that happen? We still live in a world of sad songs, don't we? What do we do with our sad songs? What do we do with our longing for joy? Is there a path to joy now? I think part of the problem is the world that we live in, Western culture, the culture that we're immersed in, doesn't really offer us a path to joy. There are lots of paths to happiness, like that fleeting feeling, but they all feel a bit like forcing the sad stuff out of the way. In fact, I googled how do you cultivate joy and happiness in your life? I just wanted to see, like, what are the suggestions out there? What do you got? And they were like, hang brightly colored things in your house. Listen to uplifting music. Laugh more. <laughs> Is that working for you? <laughs> I think we experience this how fleeting happiness is, especially during this season, because there are moments that we, that are happy. We buy the things, have the good food, go on the vacation, and then January 1, and we realize that was good, but that wasn't it. That was happiness, but that wasn't joy. That was a dopamine hit to my brain, but that wasn't the sense of transcendence that I feel when I experience joy. 
that deep feeling down in my heart that stretches towards eternity. So what do we do with the sad song? Other than wait for Isaiah 35? It's interesting and notable that the Christmas story is full of joy. The story of Jesus' birth, that word comes up all over the place. There's good news of great joy for all the people. There's angels rejoicing. There are people searching for Jesus and they find him and they're overjoyed. Mary, the woman who carries Jesus, God, in her womb, has this beautiful song of joy and praise. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's overjoyed with God, the way he sees her, her vocation, what he's doing in the world. Joy, 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 joy down in our hearts. But there's also sad songs in the Christmas story. In fact, Mary's song stands in stark contrast to another song. There's a voice heard in Rama. Rachel, weeping and mourning for her children, refusing to be comforted. She's not hanging up the bright things on her wall. She's not laughing more or playing the uplifting music. She is grieving because there's a narcissistic, power-hungry king that is so threatened by little baby Jesus, threat, feels a threat to his power, so he has all these babies that could be Jesus killed. So she is grieving. And this is what we call in the Christian tradition a lament. It's a song or a poem, a prayer that expresses sorrow and grief and names what is wrong in the world. Yeah. There are sad songs in the Christmas story, too. There's sorrow and grief all wrapped up in it. And part of what this reveals to us is there is a source of joy that doesn't require you to stuff down your sorrow. It doesn't require you to put on a cheesy smile on your face and pretend like everything's okay. It's not dependent on your circumstances, your socioeconomic status, how well life is going for you. This joy is out of this world because the source of this joy is the presence of Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer He was a man who spent a chunk of his life in prison for resisting the Nazi regime. He wrote this. The joy of God has gone through the poverty of the manger and the agony of the cross. That is why it is invincible, irrefutable. It does not deny the anguish when it is there, but finds God in the midst of it. In fact, precisely there. It does not deny grave sin, but finds forgiveness precisely in this way. It looks death straight in the eye, but it finds life precisely within it. This means that wherever you come from this morning, whatever place your soul is in, whether it's in a place of anxiety and fear, sorrow, grief, or you feel like you're in a pretty good place, there's a road to joy if you are headed towards Jesus. Because Jesus is the source of joy. That means you could come into the presence of God with a praise, or you can come into the presence of God with a lament, and both can move you to Jesus, and both can move you to joy. Joy, 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 joy. 
Last week, Hannah preached, and she mentioned that she's a plant person. I'm not a plant person. Um, I'm a bit anxious, actually, about going to her place because I'm afraid my presence alone will kill a succulent. Um, (laughs) I'm not joking. Um, But I noticed in Isaiah 35, there is this one word that comes up, uh, crocus. There's this line that says, like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. And I felt very curious about what a crocus is. So I did some intense research, which basically means I looked up photos of it on Instagram. Um, No, I did more research than that. And what I learned was that the crocus appears very quickly between winter and spring. In fact, one day there's no sign of it, and the next day, bloop, it pops right out of the ground. And isn't how, that how the joy of Jesus finds us? Like one day, it's winter and sorrow and strife and challenge, and then out of nowhere, without any sign, bloop, joy, joy of Jesus. I also learned that the crocus needs consistent cold temperature for the root to mature. You don't keep it in your house and then move it out. Like, it needs to be in winter, and it multiplies every year to produce more flowers. Isn't that cool? And I love that because my experience with sorrow is not only does it not negate your capacity for joy, but sorrow actually stretches capacity for joy. It's like they grow in tandem with each other. They're two sides to the same coin. The greater your sorrow, the greater your joy can be. It's interesting because when I think about joy, people of joy, a few people come to mind. First, some of the teenagers that I worked at at my first church in Fresno, many of whom had a parent who was incarcerated or a parent who was wrestling with a drug addiction. And because there were so many systems standing in the way of their flourishing, there was very small chance that they would graduate high school. And yet, I knew them to be people of great joy. I loved spending time with them. I also think about an article that I read in the New York Times about Norm MacDonald. If you don't know who he is, he's another comedian. And he battled cancer for nine years. And in the later years of his life, people noted this sort of transformation that was happening in his character. And he started speaking and writing about Christian faith. And he tweeted in 2019, at times, the joy that life attacks me with is unbearable and leads to gasping hysterical laughter. And this is consistent with what we know about the early church. The early church that endured an ongoing threat of persecution, they were known for this kind of cheerful, silly, joyful posture. People actually thought they were drunk because they were so full of joy. We are still waiting for Isaiah 35 the fullness of God's restoration. We're still waiting for God to remove sorrow, and while we wait, there is room for your sad song. 
And not only is there room for your sad song, but there is joy coming to you because Jesus is coming to you. And the presence of Jesus is the greatest source of joy. I want to invite you into a moment or a couple minutes of personal reflection uh, after I pray for us. And during this time, I want to invite you to do one of two things, depending on what space you find yourself in right now. If you find yourself in a space where it feels comfortable to praise God, I invite you to write out a praise on the piece of paper that you were given. Is there a character of God that you're especially grateful for right now? His compassion, his generosity, his faithfulness? Is there something that you want to thank him for, something he's done for you? I want to invite you to write out a praise. And if you've come this morning with sorrow in your heart, I also invite you to write out a lament. Take a moment to write down whatever it is that's the source of your sorrow, your grief, your anger. What role does God play in this situation? How would you want God to intervene? God created us for joy. Joy for you, joy for me, down in our hearts, but not only for us, so that we would share it with the world because there's joy in the presence of Jesus. Let me say a prayer for us. God, thank you so much for this beautiful imagery that helps us better understand your work in the world and your promises. And as we wait for the fullness, we wait with great longing. God, for you to set things right. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would come, that our praises and laments would usher us in to your presence, that we might experience you more fully and know your joy more deeply. I pray these things in your name. Amen. So you can take a few minutes to write that on your piece of paper.